Terrified in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> you can just see me looking terrified. So I'm like, I'm here with Matt Damon, Angelina Jolie, yeah. Robert De Niro directing, and I'm just scared of being fired, basically. You're listening to Skip Intro with me, Krista Smith. The first time I met Eddie Redmayne was in my Vanity Fair office, shortly after he had starred as Matt Damon and Angelina Jolie's son in Robert De Niro's 2006 spy film, The Good Shepherd. Eddie likes to joke that the only reason why he was cast in that role was because of his big lips. But anybody who's seen the film knows Eddie's physical similarities to Damon and Jolie were merely the icing on the cake for the casting directors. With his already impressive background in theater and his growing film resume, it seemed like a sure bet that Eddie would make a name for himself in the industry. Over the next few years, Eddie continued to gain experience and acclaim in both film and theater, winning an Olivier Award for his role in John Logan's play Red at the Donmar Warehouse in London, followed by a Tony Award for his performance in the Broadway run of Red. His star power was further solidified when he starred in Tom Hooper's 2012 epic musical film Les Miserables. By 2014, all bets were off. Eddie's portrayal of Stephen Hawking in The Theory of Everything not only captivated a global audience, but won him a Best Actor Oscar at the 2015 Academy Awards. His unique ability to completely transform into his characters has since defined much of his acting career. Just last year, he returned to the stage for a London revival of Cabaret, which earned him an Olivier Award for Best Actor in a Musical. In Tobias Lindholm's new film, The Good Nurse, Eddie undergoes yet another incredible transformation, this time into one of the most prolific serial killers of the 21st century. Eddie stars as Charles, Charlie, Cullen, a nurse who took the lives of dozens, maybe even hundreds of his patients without the detection from authorities or hospitals who employed him. That is, until one of his own colleagues, Nurse Amy Lochran, played by Jessica Chastain, was able to bring him to justice. All right, Eddie Redmayne is on Skip Intro. This is super exciting. I've known Eddie for a long time. I feel like right out of the gate, I yeah. seem to have met you. I can't even remember now, but... I can. <laughs> <laughs> it's been so great to just, you know, to see you at bits in your career and, and whatnot, and to see you in this film, obviously, The Good Nurse. I loved you with Jessica Chastain. I was so excited when I heard you guys were starring in this movie and knowing that it was coming mm. and then watching it. And this particular character, obviously, based on a true story. We knew nothing about him. And other than what we read in the news, right, you heard about it and how it was reported. But what I loved about your performance is the, and it reminded me what a physical actor you are, like how you just physically morph into this, into your characters. And especially with Charles, it's just like all in the walk Mm. and all in the kind of way he carries himself. So I just kind of want you to just jump right in and talk to me about, like, how did that come to be and how did you start developing that? With the director, Tobias Lindholm. Thank you, Fuzzy. Uh, It was actually a story I knew nothing about. So I came to Charlie through the script, through Christy Wilson Cain's script, and as he's revealed in the film, to, to Amy, I suppose, he was revealed to me. The extraordinary thing with this film is there is a book by Charles Mm -hmm. Graeber that is about this moment in the story, but also about, it's almost a biography in some ways Mm -hmm. of of Charlie Cullen. And 
over the years, I've done quite a few, played quite a few real people, mm-hmm. um, and each film demands something different. Um, you, you, but the one thing that remains constant is you're never. It's never a documentary. It's never facsimile. You're not going to succeed in that. And so, over the years, each sort of script has presents a different way of uh, approaching it. Mm-hmm. Um, f- f- this one for me was you had this Bible that was the book. Um, it was extraordinary first-hand accounts. It was court um, documents. It was. But you then also had Amy, the real Amy, so Jess, the character Jessica mm-hmm. plays, who I got to speak with at length, along with um, photographs, video footage, and all of that stuff you try and sort of accumulate. Um, but one of the things that I found most useful in relation to the physicality element was that Charles Graeber describes, having spent a lot of time with the real Charlie Cullen, how he had the shape of a question mark. Mm. And now Charles Graeber, when he's talking about Charlie Cullen, is being a, a sort of, I suppose, he's a writer and a poet in some right. ways himself. And he was, so that was his interpretation. But I found that very helpful, both in a physical element, but also in a kind of emotional one. This person was this weird hybrid of being translucent and skinless and vulnerable, whilst also being total a total closed book. Anonymity was his tool. You know, mm-hmm. this was... And he got great power and a kickoff being sort of anonymous. So it was how you make a character present whilst also being anonymous. That that, that was the conflict for me. Mm-hmm. And I had also read that this project kind of reinvigorated your acting, right? You, yeah. Your desire. Because I remember, I, yeah. I imagine we're all human. You know, you you ebbs and flows in mm. in, in your journey and in, in your creativity of of what you're excited to do and yeah. when. It's true. It's true. I I mean. I'd come off doing big ensemble pieces, quite sort of operatic pieces, yeah. which I love doing. But you're a cog in a very big machine. Um, and what was wonderful about coming into the, the Good Nurse was there was an intimacy to the process. Mm-hmm. Um, we had Christy Wilson-Kerns, our writer on set, Tobias. Tobias did this amazing thing where once a week he would call all the cast and the crew around. He would talk about the week's work. He He would then ask what, someone in the crew to hand a gift to someone else um, in the cast or crew mm-hmm. who had helped them that week. And so you could get a costume supervisor giving something to uh, a gaffer or a cast member. to, a, And it was a oh, way yeah. of just spotlighting um, ev- the fact that when you make films, it is a proper, at its best, it is true mm-hmm. collaboration. But also allowing everyone to be a part of that process. It's sometimes particularly on larger scale films, it becomes a day job. They last so long, but people in the cast and crew are going from one job to the other. And, and that intimacy and that care whilst tell, from a director whilst telling a very um, sensitive story was, mm-hmm. was wonderful. But because he's a writer himself, he, uh, he has great confidence um, as well as also using his own vulnerabilities. So I felt I felt the thing I'm almost most proud of about this film is being part of a Tobias Lindholm film. Mm-hmm. From the opening shot, you're like, I'm in a film which is someone's vision on the mm-hmm. world, and and that's a wonderful thing, and, and a rare thing. 
That feels so personal. I mean, just that that quality of saying everyone, someone's getting a gift today. Like, so what a what a way to distill it down into like one moment. I love that. Yeah. That's really, I've never heard that. No, and it before. feels like such a simple idea, actually, yeah. doesn't it? And then you go, oh, no, but, but because of the money involved in making films, mm-hmm. there's time is, is valuable. And so often that, that breath isn't allowed. But another example of his brilliance was one night we were doing a scene. It's the scene in which Jessica's character, Amy, is trying to, she begins to believe that Charlie might be doing these things. Mm-hmm. And she has to go and get the information from the Pixis machine. And originally scripted, it was, is Charlie there? You know, and, mm. and so she's having to do it subterfuge, you know, like, and, and the tension building being like, no, 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 is yeah. Charlie going to come around the yeah. corner? And, and we were trying to shoot it, and Tobias, we did one take, and he called the evening off. He was like, we don't need this scene. This, isn't, this is the only time this script isn't ringing authentic. It's moving into a genre piece, and it's not for me working and go home. To Jess and I, and you could feel the producers going Jessica. like, "What the fuck? What? What?" <laughs> Scott Franklin, amazing yeah. producer, like, "Oh, can't we just shoot?" Even I was yeah. like, "Just shoot it." And yeah. if you don't need it, you know. And he was like, "No, no, no, we don't need this." And so he went, and I remember the rest of the night he shot sort of texture, like background footage of the hospital at work. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Wow, that takes a confident director mm-hmm. to really know." Um, and he was right. God, I love how, I mean, that that kind of confidence. Actually, it's not that common in Hollywood. There's a lot of bravado for that kind of confidence. You know, usually I find some, you know, a lot of people second-guess themselves naturally. Completely. Um, But that's incredible. And I think he also, you know, Tobias is such an accomplished filmmaker. And I think for many years Hollywood have been saying, come, come. But he's also watched his pals compromise Mm -hmm. for that. And I think really did not want to compromise Mm -hmm. this. and. But all that ties into being, as I was saying before, kind of being one of his movies. That's yeah, yeah. How was it with Jessica? I mean, I know I, as just as a film lover, was excited yeah. about the two of you being in a oh. movie together. And she obviously just won an Oscar, which is so exciting for her. Right. I mean, it's amazing. And obviously, Tobias with Another Round, which just knocked us all. Literally, I remember when that movie came out, all, it was all anybody was talking yeah. about. Have you seen it? Have you seen Have it? Have you seen it? it? Exactly. Yeah. Going into working with Jessica, who's just an American actress yeah. through and through. She is our she's ours yeah the stuff that kind of american dream is is made out of and we all know her work ethic and her training and all that stuff but for you what was your anticipation of working with her and then after you worked with her what was something that you that you either learned from her you'll take away from the experience i knew jess socially in the weird way in which this world you sort of Mm -hmm. do in that we had done the james corden show together and in which james corden had humiliated me so horrendously in front of jess who i sort of massively admired and as well as the world on television um should we talk about that for a second about like i mean please don't it sends me into a sort of horrible uh, anybody listening you can uh you can google that and it will be worth it when you need a good laugh it was adorable though Uh, it was horrifying but uh, but at the same point um She's also someone whose work I have consistently admired. I um, heard the way that she jumps between theatre and film, um, the range that she has and the kind of... This was without knowing her that well. We had met actually at a, a children's film festival many years ago and I just felt great warmth from her. And I really wanted to work with her. And when I heard that Tobias had asked her to do this film, for me, everything slotted into place in, an, in, in a wonderful way. But also there's kind of a thing, and Jess and I were talking about this morning, of of working with your friends or working Mm -hmm. with people that you know, that people 
work actors, on-set actors versus actors in this world can be very different things. And mm-hmm. we all have our processes and that's... And it, each time you make a film, it feels like starting again because whatever your process is, it's got to gel or um, bind with someone else's or... Or it doesn't, you know, and when it doesn't, that can look great on screen, but it can be an antagonistic and um, tricky experience. What I loved about Jess is for the for the darkness of this movie, we had an extraordinary time making it. We both have young families. We were in New York. I adore her husband. She gets on very well with my wife. Mm-hmm. It was... The, 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 the storytelling was so intense and dark that to be able to have that outside of it was wonderful. But also the thing is she's, she's just fucking good. Mm-hmm. Her capability technically, mm-hmm. but then also volcanically, mm-hmm. is, is so brilliant. And she's so assured and she is such an optimist and I am many of the opposite of those things. Mm-hmm. And she wouldn't let me self-doubt, which is something that quite often creeps in when I'm working. Mm-hmm. And she's like... Don't be ridiculous. Don't realize she was, and and she really galvanized me and gave me the confidence to to really play. And I'm so grateful for that because that was partly to be a setting, the environment for it, but also Jess's effortlessness and optimism and confidence really kind of changed the way that I approached things. Mm. Yeah, she. I mean, you guys are it's just great to see you on screen. Oh, and good. She is one of my favorites, and another one that I've known from when she was. She had done these movies and had yet to come out. I mean, I think I met you. I was just the Good Shepherd or the right. Yeah. You. That's the first time I met yeah. you in like my office when in I was your at Vanity office Fair in, in in Los Angeles. I remember right, it and so you were clearly. a good mix of Matt Damon and, and had, uh, Angelina cast, Jolie or something. Very, you're very generous. I was basically cast because I had big lips. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and I'm terrified in the movie. <laughs> yeah, you can just see me looking terrified. So I'm like, I'm here with Matt Damon, Angelina Jolie, yeah. uh, Robert De Niro. Directing, and I'm just scared of being fired. Basically, <laughs> well, you've had a—I mean, it's been an amazing ride for you yeah. um, in terms of of choosing to be an actor, right? Yeah, never an easy choice in yeah. the beginning, obviously. And I and I don't think you came from an acting family Not or anything acting like that, right? So you really had to kind of come out with "I'm going to be an actor" yeah. and really pursue it in a way that wasn't paved. Let's put it that mm. way; it wasn't kind mm. of already second nature to your family. And so, how are you feeling now? Like the American of this, and you were just wearing cabaret. You've done yeah. the American giant blockbuster. You've won yeah. an Oscar. You've been nominated several times. Mm. One just won an award uh, for cabaret. Like, how are you feeling these days about everything? God, you make it sound fucking lucky. Yeah. <laughs> uh, See, well, I, I love, I love my job. I, I never take that for granted. I loved acting at school. I can't believe that I get to do it for a job. I've also worked with some wonderful people, but as I was saying before, through working with Tobias. Actually, after, after this happened, after The Good Nurse, I knew that I was going in to start doing cabaret, and I just felt The Good Nurse shook me up a bit in a, in a good way, creatively. And I'd always heard of this school, Le Coq, which is a mm-hmm. French um, theatre school in Paris. It's Jacques Le Coq was a great physical theater um, practitioner. And I kind of decided to go and do a summer course there before starting rehearsal for cabaret, really just to to mess my, like to keep learning. What can happen is you can get into a, you can get into a rut mm-hmm. of, of, of repetition or of ticks or of, or of a slight thing of directors wanting you to do what you did before. Yeah, or maybe they don't, maybe they're just a bit tentative about going, pushing you mm-hmm. and and what happens is you can and with that of course 
you lose a bit of the love. Um, so I did this course with maybe 20 other students from across the world. It was with two extraordinary French teachers, something I knew, a physical theatre that I knew nothing about. And it was wonderful because it was like, not so much, but like there was no kind of kid gloving. It was yeah. like, no, that's awful. Try that. Try that again. And and learning from watching other students from, and, and actors with different backgrounds. And, and it was really good just to kind of shake it all up a bit before going into the rehearsal room for Cabaret. And Cabaret was a wonderful... Um, well, it was, it was a, like, a bit of a life dream, yeah. but it was also the complete antithesis of the good nurse. The good nurse was about an introvert yeah. and... And and we, a mystery. We and, still exactly. are left. Like, that was just kind of what's so interesting about that film and performance is you're still left with this, like, why? Oh, why? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. It, and it's just, yeah. And that was also the, the kind of the challenge. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the only thing that made me second guess accepting the film was like, if you can't answer why... Is it enough as an actor to take on a character where you know you're not going to be able to find the answers? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And is the is the process enough? And I think that was one of the things mm-hmm. I enjoyed the most about it. Mm-hmm. Do um, you feel like you got to a why? Or uh, well, talking to Amy, the real Amy, the why is a dissociative. This this was two different human beings. Right. Like she true. says that the only time, and it's written at depth in the book, and it was one of the more scary scenes to film that the only time she saw the serial killer was in the diner Mm. when and both she and charlie graber describe how one eye drifts off and it was written by christy wilson because i was like like, oh god do i have to sit in front of the mirror so perhaps my one eye (laughs) disassociated um but she said that's the moment and it was a different human being yeah and and that so so that in one sense i i felt okay so this is a this is a psychological thing Mm -hmm. but the other thing was when you read his history and his background this guy you know aged seven he tried to kill one of his um sister's partners he then tried to kill himself Mm -hmm. his mother died when he was 15 he was the youngest child and when he went to the hospital they had they couldn't find her body and her and the disrespect to that the fury with the system early on mixed with being bullied horrendously in the navy in and out of um, institutions. Mm-hmm. The, the astonishing thing for me was how he was ever allowed near. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's what's really fascinating, fascinating yeah. too about the movie. Yeah. But the movie is this thriller and this psychological trauma, and obviously we're it, it's based in fact in a real story mm-hmm. that as Americans we knew and we heard in the news. But but what was interesting to me is when you saw the failure of the system. Yeah. The kind of capitalism. Yeah. Yeah. You know, over. Yeah. Basically, not justice, but over like you know, really examining what's going on here. That's what I thought was really fascinating when you when you realize that this had been going on for a very long time. Yeah. And, and people what, had inklings, but no one really wanted to draw attention to it because of the, the consequences. fear of liability. Yeah. You know, and, the, and, you know, in the UK, we have the National Health Service, and which has its own problems, but is an extraordinary thing in which if you need health care, you can get it for free. Um, but there is also... But the second that there is money involved of course mm-hmm. there are lawyers to protect the 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 the, the institutions yeah. at hand and and it is it was really shocking and what's been what was interesting to me is what happened as a consequence of this story you know, they were laws were changed 
now you have to keep any um, complaint that is made against a nurse or a medical practitioner has to be kept for seven years. And I'm like, what, that didn't happen before? Like, yeah. what? <laughs> we have to keep our yeah. taxes exactly. in America exactly. for seven years. Exactly. But any of that, no, we have to keep all of that or else you can be audited. Yeah, I know but, it's madness. But, it's but it madness. sounds, but also that, that systems were created so that you, it, you can com- or, or your colleagues have to be examined more frequently. But, but according to Charles Graeber, who knows much more about the systems than I do, you know, there's still a long, long way to go. Mm-hmm. But, but also the way he, Charlie Cullen was able to slip through the net was, it's a f- nurses are extraordinary and they work phenomenally hard and they get paid far too little. And there was a shortage at the time mm-hmm. as well in the 90s. Still. And, and still, and so it was about, and, and Charlie was a very good mm-hmm. nurse. He was the guy that everyone wanted to take over the shift mm-hmm. because the changeover period, normally it could take between 50 minutes and an hour. He was done in like 10 minutes mm-hmm. because he was on it and he would do all the nighttime shifts. He would he would fit in. So he was so, there was a brilliance to his capability and and also an empathy to the, but, but, but then that was weaponized, you know, mm-hmm. that, and that is what's so frightening. Mm-hmm. That's great. I'm so happy to see you. Okay. There's so much going on in the world right now. Yeah. Um, and a giant thing, obviously, I can't not acknowledge the passing of the Queen. I followed the royal family closely for many years, and her passing has been deeply felt across the globe. I'm asking everybody this season on the podcast about so much is happening in the world that we're contending with, whether mm. it's politics or extreme weather, whatever it is, that... I'm looking for the tiny wins in life and to kind of like build on those tiny wins. And so I'm asking everybody, what's a tiny win that you've had recently? That's a really good question. And I think there's an amazing need for finding the optimistic windows. Mm-hmm. As I said, I was generally, Jess has been moving me away from being a pessimist good. to aspiring to be an optimist. My collective experience making cabaret with um, an extraordinary group of people people from all walks of life, different genders, different sexualities, different ages. There was a sense of company and vibrancy in the youth of the ensemble there. I got such an education from these amazing actors and dancers and musicians that made me go, oh, yeah, there is hope. These are the the sort of 18 to sort of 35-year-olds mm-hmm. doing And I felt... I felt real hope doing that show, again, despite complex subject matters. That, the fact that there is another generation coming up mm-hmm. with such passion and vitality and a different outlook on the world, retaining an optimism, despite a lot of things being railed back against that generation, I felt I felt a sense of a little win of optimism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll take it. Eddie, did they get you on TikTok? No, no, they did not. That's they what my TikTok failed. But they haven't got me on Twitter. They haven't got me on Instagram. No, they didn't. They no, didn't do it. They, no, didn't, they didn't convert didn't. you well. It's awesome to see you. Lovely to see it's you too. Thank always, you. That was so nice. Uh, yeah, chat. I love catching up. But I, I am very sorry about the Queen. But I oh, know. No. Think about the Queen, and we were talking a little bit mm. about it yesterday. Was I have a, my grandma, who's a very important person to me. She's turning 101 this year, and the letter that she was sent by the Queen a card that sits on her bed next to her and the home that she's in. And she's unable to see it because she's lost sight. But it means the world. And my grandmother was an amazing woman. The Queen was an extraordinary woman. And for us, they sort of bind us to our legacy and our 
history and how much has changed in the world and her resilience. That was mm-hmm. the thing with the Queen that I can't get over was mm-hmm. her duty and her resilience when everything was thrown at her. She mm-hmm. some uh, and those are formidably admirable qualities. Yeah. Love that. Love it. The Good Nurse is streaming on Netflix October 26th. Thanks so much for joining me. I'm Krista Smith, your host and creator of the show. Skip Intro is produced and edited by Isabel Arricchio and engineered by Dave Corwin. Special thanks to our coordinator, Alyssa Hillman. Please subscribe, rate, and review Skip Intro wherever you've been listening. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Krista Smith. If you enjoy the podcast, please go to NetflixQ.com for more. That's NetflixQueUE.com. Thank you.